This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for November 16th, 2023. This is season 13, episode 6, and episode 391 in the long-running podcast that is the Power Play Post Show. I am your host, Bob Howard. Welcome to the show. I think I've got a pretty good show planned for you guys. We're going to talk a little bit about the Carolina Thunderbirds games from this past weekend. We'll touch upon some transactions and a couple other notes that we need to get on. And then we also have a great guest um, here on the Power Play Post Show this week. So really excited to get this thing rolling. The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, search for the Power Play Post Show, and share any of our show posts with all your friends. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. And on this episode of the Power Play Post Show, captain of the Binghamton Black Bears, Tyson Kirkby, will be making his third appearance here on the Power Play Post Show. So very glad to have Tyson back on the show. I really, truly believe that every time I see him, we say hello. Uh, anytime that uh, we talk, it's just a very good time. So the Binghamton Black Bears had what I thought was a pretty good weekend uh, this past weekend uh, against the Carolina Thunderbirds. Uh, they did lose the first game, right? You know, in the shootout, 5-4. to four. Um, Connor... Connor McEnanema had his second shootout loss of the year. They did have the big comeback from being down 4-2 to tie it up at the end of the third period. To me, that's a character moment that you can go back to and talk about when you're going into the playoffs, when you're going to a championship run. You can go back to moments like that. Even though you lost the game, you did something more. They thought they were walking out of there with an easy three points. When it's four to two with four minutes left to go. And your team stepped it up, right? The Binghamton Black Bears stepped it up and they won that last four minutes. And that was huge. The whole weekend, that was the most important part of the weekend. They may not say they they may say, oh, the win the next day was the biggest moment, that type of thing. No, 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 no. Deep down when you're building character within a team, deep down when you're building character as a player. That four minutes right there was the most important part of the weekend, and they did a great job. Uh, so let's talk a little bit, a little bit more in depth about that game. If I could pull it up here on the handy dandy uh, internet, uh, that game was a five-four loss um, in the shootout. Again, I really want to emphasize that, that comeback was was pretty huge. Uh, the Carolina Thunderbirds really started off the first period really well. I think. They controlled the puck well. They made the best of their opportunities, and they scored two goals. Uh, Dawson Baker got a goal. Roman Kramer got a goal as well near the end of the period. 
both were on the power play. So it took the man advantage for them to get those two goals, but they did. They took advantage of, you know, penalty troubles by the Binghamton Black Bears in the first period. Uh, so it was 2 to nothing at the end of the first. Um, I think in that first period, yeah, Binghamton had three out of the four penalties. And again, when you, when you spend six of your 20 minutes in the penalty box, these type of opportunities is what teams are going to try to capitalize on, and they certainly did that. Now, you had two of your defensemen set for a tripping penalty and interference penalty. You also had Connor Smith, who was one of your better players on the ice, go in for a roughing call as well. So the Black Bears then stormed back in the second period, and this is something that I've noticed so far this year. It's a little bit of a trend. It's not necessarily good or bad. It's something I do talk about with Tyson Kirkby a little bit later on in the interview with him, but it seems like they, I don't want to say start off slow, but they start off a certain way in the first period, and then they kind of really build on either successes or failures and go in the right direction going into the second and the third period. That seems to be the motif so far of this Binghamton Black Bears team. So I think everybody just kind of needs to realize that's kind of how they're just going to play this season. And that's okay. You you know, against some of the better teams, you're going to fall behind like they did against Carolina in both games. Uh, So Tyson Kirkby comes back. Gets a even strength goal at the 406 mark. Then, of course, you had Nikita Ivashkin scoring again on the power play. Uh, Dakota Bond got his first point as a Black Bear. Uh, Brendan Stanko also um, got a point, an insist on that goal. And then the Carolina Thunderbirds, before the end of the second period, with seven seconds left, Jacob Schnapp got the uh, got a goal. And I know there's a lot of talk about Jacob Schnapp, and he's not the same player as Daniel Ensbury. Jacob Schnapp actually has a little bit of hockey talent, hockey sense, and he's an antagonizer. Now, if any of the fans that are listening used to uh, follow the Binghamton Senators, you'll remember a guy named Jan Patil. Jan Patil was a defenseman who antagonized people just as much as Jacob Schnapp did. He didn't score probably as much as Jacob Schnapp, but he was definitely a guy who could definitely um, get under people's skin. Well, this is what Jacob Schnapp is as well. But he's always in front of the net. He's always moving around. And I get a lot of people would like him to drop the gloves. And, you know, when you antagonize, some people want to fight you. He doesn't want to do that. He's doing his job the way he's supposed to. Well, he scored that third goal for the Carolina Thunderbirds to put them up. And then in the third period... He puts them up 4-2 to two with another goal with 15 minutes and 38 seconds left. And that's where this game kind of went a little crazy, right? So if you go to the third period, and uh, he scores that goal at the 15-38 mark, but then Gregory Felder gets a holding call at the 16-57 mark. So that's three minutes and three seconds left. And that's where the Binghamton Black Bears really started to kind of claw back in this game, showing their character, showing what they could do with just a few minutes left in the game. So with three minutes and three seconds left, they go on the power play. They pull the goaltender. At 17.34, Mark, so that would be 36 seconds later, We'll call it 37 seconds later. Gavin Yates gets a power play goal with the extra attacker 
right? So it was a six-on-four situation, but Gavin Yates gets the goal, and now your game is four to three, okay? And you think, okay, all right, that's fine. We've seen that before. We've seen that happen. But in at the 1943 mark of this game, so with 17 seconds left in the go in this game, we'd already pulled the goaltender again. Connor McAnanema comes out of the game again, comes off the ice, but then there's penalties at the 1943 mark. Well, Gavin Yates gets called for roughing. Jacob Schnapp gets called for roughing, but that those two roughings are the result of Jacob Schnapp doing a bonehead move. Okay, let's just call it what it is, and I'm sure he would admit, eh, probably bad call on my part or bad bad play on my part. He gets a boarding call. And when I reviewed the tape, it was definitely boarding. No matter what anybody says in Carolina, it was definitely boarding. Okay, sorry. It's true, right? And then at that 1943 mark, pulled the goalie again. 12 seconds later, with five seconds left to go in the game, Connor Smith, with what he was doing, he was trailing on the right side, and there was a a shot, and it came back right to him, and he was able to skate past uh, Mario Calavivere. Well, I'll eventually learn how to uh, pronounce his name, and was able to get past him to make it a 4-4 game. So after, after that, it's great. Crowd goes crazy. The team is is loving it. The more important thing here is they tied the game up. The result after that really doesn't matter. Yes, it hurts. Yes, they want to win. Yes, they want to win every game. But you're not going to win every game. So you have to look at the positives. And in this case, the positive was they came back from being two goals down with three minutes and whatever time it was. Okay. Uh, well, actually, with, with – uh, yeah, with that – left in the um when when the power play started and everything. So they go into overtime, I think three shots on goal for each team in the overtime. No big deal. A couple chances on both sides. Both goaltenders looked uh, you know, to be doing exactly what they needed to do in that second period. But then they go to the shootout. And Carolina shoots first. No goal. Jacob uh, Walters, JT Walters comes out. No goal. Everybody starts to freak out in the whole internet world about that. Gus Ford comes out. He scores a goal. Uh, Gavin Needs comes out. He misses. Uh, Roman Kramer comes out. He misses. And then Connor Smith also misses. And the Black Bears Nation, I, apparently I fell asleep at some point, like maybe about 20 minutes after the game. And Black Bears Nation kind of goes nuts on some of the message on some of the boards and everything about JT Walters being put in there by coach. And I guess some people had a problem with that. Well, if you're listening to this show, I'm going to tell you to really just understand hockey and how teams work. And the guy's got an A on his chest. So number one, that's that's he's trusted by the uh, the 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 coaching staff, right, which is obviously Coach Sherwood. He's trusting Jacob that he can do things that way. And this is the last time I'm going to say this. I've talked to many coaches, and they determine who's going to do the shootout based on practice, what they see in warm-ups, how good the shooter is doing it, and how creative he's being, right? He's got an A on his jersey, if you do, if you can't trust a guy with an A on their jersey to score a shootout goal, then he probably shouldn't have that A. But Brant does, so 
Black Bear Nation, get over it. Move on. It is what it is. It's happened before. I've watched more Mark Borvieski go out there and try attempt a shootout goal. Okay? So let it go. Um, again, I think this was a good game. 4,893 uh, were in attendance. I thought both teams looked good at times, really good at times. So I, I really have to say that it was, it, was, it was a fun game to watch. Okay? Then came Saturday night. Black Bears, uh, you know, about 700 less fans, which is fine. 4,100 plus, still a great turnout. And the game kind of felt similar, right? There were less goals scored, but it still felt very similar. And what do I mean by that? Well, the first period kind of was Carolina's period, right? They uh, basically, uh, the shots were... 15 Binghamton, 13 Carolina. But you can put 30 shots up against uh, uh, Cavalier, and you may not score, right? So 15 shots in one period. But they seem to really – they really had control of the period, Carolina did. And they got the one goal from uh, Tucker Firth um, at the 109 mark. And then it was really kind of quiet after that, but they still controlled the pace. They controlled the game. They controlled how things went. So then uh, in the second period, two minutes and 49 seconds in, Gavin Needs gets a power play goal. Okay. Oh, by the way, Gavin Needs has now scored twice since he's come back. So the talk about Gavin Yates coming back, Frank Slack, love you, man. I, I, I know you listen to the show. Uh, giving you a call out here, but I'm also giving you a, kind of a shout-out. Gavin Yates is good for this team. He really is. I get it. You don't – something about him you, just doesn't jive with you and everything. Um, but he's good for this team, and he, did, he does well. And Tyson Kirkby, uh, having him back on his wing, um, he's happy with that. So we got to go with what the team likes. Uh, In the second period, uh, Carolina took the lead again. Kessler Sky, who's no longer on the team anymore, he was released by the team shortly after, uh, a couple days after this game. Uh, They got some other players coming back, and this was the only goal in six or seven games that he scored. But he does score to give them the lead. So then at the end of the second period, you had the Carolina Thunderbirds leading again, right? So at the end of the second period of the first game, they were they were winning and and then they went had it four to two. Well, same thing here. Two to one, basically half the amount of scoring, but the same result. Carolina's in the lead. Um five twenty-two into the third, Austin Thompson gets a even strength goal. Um then at the fourteen fifteen forty-two, Brendan Stanko gets a goal. And then uh, Nikita Ivashkin, I think after they had pulled the goaltender for a few minutes and everything, at the 1920 mark, Nikita Ivashkin got his um, another goal, and that uh, puts the team up 4-2, to two, and they win that game. And again, I thought two very good games for the Binghamton Black Bears. I think uh, a, a good game for Carolina, and then maybe they tailed off a little bit here in the second game, uh, Black Bears only gave up three shots on goal in the second period and five shots on goal in the third period. After this game, I did speak with Nolan Egbert, who was very pleased with uh, the way the game went. Um, he did say that, you know, uh, 
he did tell me that uh, Schnapp being in front of him, he was still able to see around him. That he, you know, he still had really good vision in front of, even though Justin Schnapp spent a lot of time in front of him. But he only had to look for eight shots on goal in the last two periods. He didn't have too much of a problem. Talked to Brendan Stinko, our guest last week here on the Power Play Post Show. Talked to him on Saturday. He's very happy with the way the team looks. And you'll find out that Tyson Kirkby is really pleased with this team when you hear his interview a little bit later. I think they're all gelling after nine games, being 6-0-3. and three. They're doing really well with 21 points. And even with Motor City now being in the division, I don't think there is too much worry right now. Everybody's pretty happy with the way this team is going. Brendan Stinkle got the number one star on Saturday night. I think he's got the most number one stars in the league right now. So that tells you something right there. Uh, so uh, standings, Binghamton first place. They've played nine games, have six wins and three losses for 21 points. Motor City has six wins and two losses. They've played eight games for 19 points. Danbury, with nine games played, they have three wins, five losses, and they have a shootout win. So technically, they're four and five. Elmira is two and three at the moment with seven points, and uh, Watertown is two and four with six points at the moment. If there's any confusion when you go to the league standings, they are breaking things down between regular wins, which regular regulation wins, which is three points per win. They break it down to losses and then overtime loss, overtime win, and shootout win, which are both one point apiece. So you kind of have to do some math there. I know some people don't like it. I don't really care for it as well. So what else have we got to talk about? Oh, uh, Binghamton Transactions, not much this week. Mac Lewis is on loan up to the SP, and Chad Lopez has uh, failed to report. Um, my guess is he's probably looking for another job up, you know, up north or down south, actually, in the SP, and, and or he's trying to make his way to Binghamton because – you know, that's what you understand. With Gavin Yates, it took so long to get him here because, well, let's be honest, he doesn't have any transportation. He doesn't have a car. So he relies on getting rides. Let's be honest. These guys aren't making a ton of money. And he, if he's got a family, the family's got the car. He's he's not driving around with a car. Um, so that's pretty much it. Um, pretty pleased with the Big Into Black Bears this past weekend. I think everybody else should be as well. Don't worry about the small stuff. You know, because it, it really does not matter. I do want to bring up one more time. Um, let's see here. Top 25 points in Binghamton hockey history. Nikita Ivashkin is sitting at 17th right now with 176 points. Now, to catch Peter Ferraro um, from the Binghamton Rangers, he needs, and to get to 16th place or higher, he needs 10 more points. So he's, so... Yes, he could do that in two games in this league, uh, but more than likely, it's not going to be until probably next weekend uh, or the week, you know, the weekend after that before he actually moves up. They do have three games the week of Thanksgiving, um, which would be the Wednesday night game, the night before Thanksgiving, and then of course a Friday and Saturday game plus these two games coming up this weekend against Watertown and Almira. Okay, so but on the goal watch. 
He is right now eighth place in Binghamton hockey history in 102 games played, which he's only a couple games away now from being the all-time leader in games played for Binghamton, uh, for the Binghamton Black Bears, that is. He's got 98 goals in eighth place, um, and he is one goal away from Josh Hennessy, who is in the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, not that most of these guys aren't, because most of them are, that he's starting to catch up with. So he's got one more goal to tie Josh Hennessy for seventh place, and then he'll be shooting for Ross Yates with a 102 goals. So Nikita Ivashkin is about ready to be only the seventh player in Binghamton Hockey history to amass 100 goals. It's pretty huge. Pretty huge, folks. I know the levels of all this, but I include all the levels together. And you can say whatever you want um, about it. Rod Bloomfield is still considered one of the most iconic and best players in Binghamton hockey history. And he played in the North American Hockey League, right? 203 goals is tied with Denny ML. People love Denny ML. They love Rod Bloomfield. And uh, this kid is going to make his way. If he if he stays in this league and on this team for another two years or three years, he's going to be up in that one and two rank. And I truly believe that he will be in fifth place if he stays the course this year. He will be in fifth place in Binghamton hockey history all time goal scores. So that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But uh, Let's go to our interview. Let's go to Tyson Kirkby. So coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show, he's the captain of your Binghamton Black Bears. He is Tyson Kirkby. We'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Uh, this gentleman, uh, right now, it has got five goals, five assists, ten points in nine games for the Binghamton Black Bears. He is their captain. He is Tyson Kirkby, good friend of this show. And uh, Tyson, welcome back. It's good to talk to you. And we're nine games in, and you guys are doing pretty well. Yeah, I think... Uh no one in our locker room is surprised by the start that we've had, and I know uh, a few people and uh, teams around the league kind of see it as a different reason than we do, but uh, we have a great group of guys this year, and uh, we're really excited to just keep this thing rolling. When you say some of the teams might see it as a you know, different reason than you guys do, how do you see what is going on with this team to make it so successful right now? Yeah, I think... Uh, you look on paper and we have a good team but um, we have an even better team in game um, whereas like compared to, to last season like on paper we had the best team in the league but that doesn't always uh, get you the result that you're looking for and I think with this team like there might be a, some teams that are a bit better on paper than us but the way we play the game this year is completely different and uh, so it's no surprise to us or anyone in the locker room or the fans that uh, we've had the start that we've had. Tyson, one of the things that I've been saying, and if anyone's listened to this show, they know I've screamed it for the past few weeks, 
you guys are playing better team defense this year than I've seen in the first two seasons of the Binghamton Black Bears. Would you agree to that? Do you do you think you guys are playing better team defense where you guys are coming back and helping out the goaltenders and the, and the defensemen on your team a little bit better? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think a lot of that is uh, is Coach Scherzi, um having his hands on the team right from day one this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to bring in some more structure to the D zone. I think uh, in this league, the defense is usually lacking behind the offense. Um, same with us last season. You know, We yeah. scored with the best of them, but at times we struggled keeping the puck out of our net. So uh, we, know, we know we're going to get our goals. That, that's nothing that's ever going to concern us, but we really wanted to focus <clears throat> on the defense uh, side of the puck and work from the D zone out this season. And uh, so far it's uh, translated into, into some good results. We did see three games in a row where there was a shorthanded goal that was given up. It was one of the things that we saw in the first couple seasons of the of the Binghamton Black Bears, where you know when you're on the power play, and 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 I've and I've said to people, it's like, well, I don't think you can really change that that much, but there is some protections that you can put into place when you're on the power play to not give up those shorthanded chances and everything. And I think the penalty kill this year for you guys has been really good and the power play struggled at first got better and maybe cooled off just a tiny bit and everything but special teams on this team how does Scherzi coach you guys for special teams um yeah obviously we have uh we have our systems put into place um we'll talk pk first i think our pk has done an amazing job this season um, you know, we've had a few games where we've been shorthanded for almost an entire period at one point of the game. Um, so doing a great job building momentum off of a PK and helping us, you know, keep the momentum when we do go shorthanded, we've done a great job. And then the power play, obviously, uh, everyone wanted to hit the panic button three games in without yes. a goal in the power play. I was one of them. Tyson, um, Tyson, I'll be honest, I was one of them. I was a little concerned three games in. You guys hadn't scored a power play, and I was like, oh, crap, what's going on? And then it just blew up, right? Yeah, I think it's a thing. Was like Everyone wanted to freak out because the power play was like 30-something percent last year, which is an absurd number. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of it is just, you know, we lost, we lost the guys that, or a few of the guys that uh, were contributing to that power play last year, and I think it was just going to take us a few games to get familiar with um, some new combinations on the power play. And even through those first three games, we might have given up a shorthanded goal or two. Um, but we were still like, getting chances and opportunities. We were having no problem getting into the zone, um, no problem setting up and getting chances. They just weren't going in. And we all knew that it wasn't going to stay like that forever. Like We knew once we got one, we were going to get four. And uh, that kind of happened the third week of the season where we had a three and three, we just kind of exploded offensively on the power play and we all knew it was coming. So um, yeah, now it's just keeping that success going for sure. So I, I think personally, when I look at this league and I look at the, the players that they have down the center in Binghamton, and that's Brendan Stanko, you, Dustin Gesso, I think that, Top to bottom, one through three, probably the best centerman right now playing in the league. Would you agree? Disagree? Yeah, I think uh, our our forward depth in itself is uh, 
is something pretty crazy. I mean, we've had uh, we've had good teams in the past, but I don't think we've ever had three lines that can score like this. You know, mm-hmm. we've always been a one-two line. It's a one-two line league. But uh, on our on our team, especially down the middle, we're very deep. Yeah, and that just helps with matchups, right? Like, um, in we played Carolina. They got you know Gus Ford and those guys. Oh yeah. But that's that's just one line. We have three lines. One line has to play a shutdown role for a night. It, it is what it is, and we got two other lines that we can rely on to score. And I think that just makes us another like it's, a, it's another reason why we're so hard to play against. Is you might shut one line down, but good luck shutting all three lines down in one night. And what's interesting, and we could talk about this. I think there are forwards on this team that have different abilities that they excel at. Like Justin, Justin Gesso is phenomenal in the face-off circle. I had no idea watching him in Danbury last year how good he was in the face-off circle. He's won a lot of face-off for you guys. Connor Smith not only can shoot and, and, and score goals, but he's a big physical guy. And when he puts that body up against the glass, it's almost always turning over the puck, right? It, it's almost getting the other player to turn over the puck and everything. So you guys, and then, of course, Nikita's got all that speed, and Brendan Stanko's got this instinct, this con- this sense about him. Each player really seems to excel in a lot of different places. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, everyone talks about Jusseau, and you want to talk about his offense first. But like you said, he's been he's been really good on the faceoffs. Um, Smitty, you know, he's a guy that you just look at, yeah, big, tall goal scorer, but... You know, he's laying the body, he's playing physical, mm-hmm. he's been blocking shots, Nikita's been blocking shots, Stanko, he's been de- defensively responsible as well as putting up all these points. And just every every guy is, is bringing stuff to the table right now, for sure. Now, what was it about, you know, Austin Thompson on your left side and Mac Lewis on your right side that just seemed to kind of gel with the three of you? Because a good part of the, the season, you, that's that's the line mates that you've had and everything. I know Mac Lewis is getting a, a call up and everything. And uh, I think the, the last game, you guys, uh, I think uh, you had Yates with you and everything. What, is, what, what, is, what was it about you know, Austin Thompson and Mac Lewis that kind of gelled really well with you too, with you guys? Yeah, I think uh, I think we play a similar style of game. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to joke that uh, that we're the speed line on our team. Um, <laughs> the, the boys get a kick out of that, but I think uh, we are just like that line is a heavy line. Like right. we get the puck in the offensive zone, and we're going to wear you down. We're going to create more off of the cycle and off of sustained pressure than we are off the off the rush. We scored a couple goals off the rush, so that's why we like to call ourselves a speed line. <laughs> but um, we're just uh, we're three big bodies that are tough to play against, and we can wear teams down. And we all uh, we all enjoy playing in the offensive zone, you know, working cycles and getting pucks to the net. So I think it was just instant chemistry there for sure. Now Gavin Yates obviously came back to the team, and he played on the line with you, of course, on. Uh, on uh, on Saturday night and everything, how does he fit into the line with you guys? He's kind of a bigger boy as well, but he's got some speed to him too. Yeah, I think uh, I played with Yatesy for a lot of the season last year, yep. so there's definitely some chemistry there. I kind of know where he wants to puck, where he likes to be, and where he's going to be around the ice. So, um, yeah, he he fit in very well there, and he adds a little bit more speed to the speed line. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been good so far. We've been rolling. 
So let me ask you this question. Um, there are four guys from Adrian College. Is the is the semi nickname to this team the Bulldogs? I mean, because there's four of them on there. Obviously, you know, Stanko and Smith played um, three. I think they played three full years with each other, and they played on the same line together. I know uh, Bond and Stone are playing on a line, at least they did this past weekend, together defensively and everything. What's it like having four guys come from the same college? They they all played with each other for at least a couple of years, and they really kind of know each other really well. How does that help and gel with the, the current Black Bears? Yeah, it helps, obviously, um, with Bond showing up um, and coming in to help us. Uh, he's, a, he's a great defenseman, and I think uh, just those guys being, being comfortable when they, they got here to start the season, right? They've got some friends that they've played with before, and I think that really that really helps. Whereas, like, last year, it was uh, Stanko and Smith come in, and then Stanko kind of was away from the team for a little bit, and then Smitty's just kind of by himself. So this year, starting up, like, they've been together. They're familiar with each other. They're all living together. So I think it just helps build that sense of team, and it makes them feel uh, more part of the team. And it's kind of funny. You bring up all the Adrian guys. It's kind of been a battle at the rink because – um, we always joke, we always talk about the Suniac because that's yeah. where uh, Coach Sherwood uh, played. I was there. Louie yep. was there. Uh, Logar was there. Um, Egberg was there. And we've had a few other guys that are from the Suniac. So it's kind of the Suniac versus the ACHA and boys. <laughs> I like that. Now, have you guys in practice? I, I know practice time is you know kind of structured, and you guys got to make sure. But has there been a time when? Like four of you Suniac guys go against the four Adrian guys and just kind of like, all right, let's use the the better college or the better college system. <laughs> no, they they wouldn't want that. They wouldn't want that. The Suni boys are built a little bit differently. <laughs> oh, 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 gotcha. You guys are a little bit more physical then. That's what it is. Oh, we're you. You saw what me and Louie can do out there. Together. Yes, we got that yes. Suigo connection. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. How important is that, you know, um, how important is it to have guys that, you know, really have bonded together, whether it be the Adrian guys or even the Suniac guys who can come together and kind of bond, Of even if they didn't play on the same team, they can still bond that they played in the same conference and, and uh, you know, play similar hockey. How important is that, do you think? Yeah, I think it's it's huge. It helps for for the team uh, like team bonding aspect of it, but it helps too. Like the season, it's 56 games long, but a lot of times guys have never played together before. Whereas, so now, like the Suniac guys, we've all kind of been through the same uh, the same grind of, mm-hmm. of that conference, and then the Adrian guys playing together, it just it adds a little bit of everyone's familiar. It has a similar path to coming here, and you know. Like me playing with Louis, for example. Like I went to school with him. We roommate. We were roommates together. We played together on the same line. So we've got that chemistry. The Adrian guys have that chemistry, and it just helps the overall team play as well. Who's teaching the goaltenders? Because I think it's got to be probably one of the hardest positions, you know, on any federal team. Is if you don't have like a coach that has some goaltending experience. Who's working with Egbert? Who's working with uh, McAnanima and and, and Levici to to get them the knowledge in the in the, that they need? Uh, is that mostly coach, or is that Coach Sherwood, or is there? You know, how do those guys 
continue to learn because of course coach has played forward he's you know he's 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 been where you've been and everything so he understands that but who's helping the goaltenders yeah i think it's uh it's kind of been a joint effort you know the the goalies the nice thing about having three of them is they all have different skill sets they all are you know strong in most things and maybe lack in some other things that you know one of the other two guys might might excel in so uh, we we usually do goalie sessions throughout the week, and uh, sometimes Jersey runs them. Other times, uh, the goalies will just give us some drills that they wanted uh, to do to work on specific things, and uh, we get some shooters out there, and we just kind of roll with it that way. So uh, there have been two games. I I I, I want to bring up. I, I always want to bring up always the good stuff, right? Because I mean, what, what kind of talk show is that, right? Let's talk about the one thing that I think that you guys have kind of struggled in, and that's the shootouts, right? You've had two of them. Poor Connor's been a part of both of those, right? And um, the team has not scored in any of the shootout attempts so far this season. Um, is that something that you guys can work on in practice? Is it something that, like, listen, you know, if it's five games that we make it to the shootout and if we get a couple wins, that's that's fine. What's the mentality for you and for Scherzi and, and for the team when it comes to shootouts? Uh because, because again, you know, in the two games, you know, if we're, if we're trying to find a negative, maybe, or an opportunity. Let's look at it this way: an opportunity for the team. It's probably in the shootouts. Yeah, I think uh, we we do shootouts every week in practice. Uh, obviously, it, you hate to lose them. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you might we might not see a shootout the rest of the season. <laughs> That's uh, true. I think last season we only had one shootout, so to already have two is kind of. Uh, kind of strange you don't really see a lot of shootouts in this league um but it's something where yeah the extra point it would be nice um but i don't think it's anything that we're we're ready to panic over either um our goalies have played well in the shootout mac mac has done a great job you know you make two or three saves you're giving your team a chance to win mm-hmm. and we just haven't been able to uh to find the back of the net yet um it sucks, but it kind of it is what it is, and obviously we keep working towards it in, the, in practice. But uh, we joked maybe we should start pulling the goalie in overtime and playing four on three. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? It not not I, I probably I don't know if anybody's ever done that, but it'd be interesting to to see that and everything. Um, there was obviously the decision to put JT Walters in, and one of the things that I tried to explain to fans, and I, I and I really want to say this so you hear this as well is that a lot of coaches have told me over the years, the many years that I've done this show, talked to a lot of coaches, when they decide on shootout shooters, a lot of times it's who looked good in practice in the shootout drills, who looked good in warm-ups doing the shootout type of uh, drills that you do in warm-ups and everything. And people have to understand that JT Walters is also an an alternate captain on this team. And... You know, when you get an A, there's a responsibility that you have, which when coach calls you, he ex- he expects and he already trusts you that you're going to do your best and everything. So a lot of people maybe had a problem with JT Walters being uh, selected for the shootout. And I just said, well, that's his one of his guys. That's, you know, I mean, you don't put an A on someone's jersey and go, eh, I don't need you for anything the whole year. So I think that's very important and everything. And I'm sure that you and Jersey see that in practices when certain guys that maybe don't have an A, maybe they don't play as many minutes as someone else, does something that goes, oh, I can trust this guy. 
Yeah, um, I think a lot of people are quick to jump on on Scherzi and Wally for for him going in the shootout, but he's a roller guy um, in the off season, so he's got uh, he's got some slick moves, and uh, usually he's one of the first guys to score in the shootout in practice. And you know, Scherzi he went with a hunch. I mean, everyone would be praising him, and uh, if he scored and. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like it's Absolutely. so easy for for people to jump all over it, but like if he scores, no one says a word, and yeah, and exactly. Sherwood's the greatest coach, and all this stuff, right? So everyone, like they got to they got to hate on something, I guess. And <laughs> we we got a point. We're we're down two goals twice in that oh game. Four minutes, four minutes yes. and twenty seconds left, and you're telling me we're going to lose in a shootout? I'd take that any day of the week. I'll well, take my point and get out of there. Like well, well, it wasn't looking great for a while. So Tyson, I was talking to Brendan Stanko um, after that game, and uh, I said to him, "I said, listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you guys lost the game in the shootout. You guys came back against a very good team with four minutes left. All the strategy was." perfect you know pulling the goalie uh, we, there's the penalties that also you know played a part in it and then you guys executed two goals in the last four minutes extra attacker and on the power play i mean it, it, you couldn't have made that any better and that's the story of really the weekend not even the win the next day but really those four because when you look at championship runs you look at character moments and that was a character moment in my opinion yeah absolutely i think uh it would have been so easy for us to go into that last media timeout and just, you know, point the finger at each other how we got to that situation. But instead, we kind of rose to the occasion, rose to the challenge, and uh, we got in there. We got our point, sent it to overtime. I think we carried the play in overtime. We had we had a couple chances uh, to score that that again didn't fall. And if they go in, you know, no one's talking about a shootout, right? So. Um, it's easy for, for you to look back and for people to say what they want to say about it, but I think, yeah, the story is that this team is different than, than this uh, organization seen in the past, yeah. and uh, we're going we're gonna to keep going until that final whistle, and it just kind of proved it there, scoring with five seconds left to go to overtime. You guys have played nine games. You do not have a regulation loss yet. Uh, I know I just jinxed it, and someone's going to probably kick my ass for saying it, but... Um, you know that that it is what it is. You guys are six and three, six zero and three right now with twenty one points, leading the Empire Division. The FPHL did what the FPHL sometimes does, and they 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 changed uh, uh, you know divisions in the middle of the season or in the beginning of the season, and they put Motor City over here. Now those games against Motor City, I think it's five games against Motor City this year for the Binghamton Black Bears. Those games mean so much more now. I know they always mean a lot, and I and I know the the line that normally is said, but now that Motor City is in the division, in the Empire Division, those games mean a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, any time a division realignment happens in the middle of the season, and uh, you go from being, I think it was nine points up at in first place yeah. to to two points or whatever it was, um, that'll make you look twice. And uh, yeah, I think playing them five times, we gotta we gotta win that that series to uh, increase our chances of you know taking first place home in the division this season. Okay, so this weekend, Elmira in the arena in Binghamton on Friday night, and then you guys head up to Watertown um, to play against the Wolves on Saturday night. 
one of the things I want to bring up to you so you can comment on these two games is there is not an easy win this year, I think, in the FPHL, especially in the Empire Division. This is not the same Watertown team. This is clearly not the same Elmira team. And that Elmira team is run by a former player and a former line mate of yours, uh, Tyler Jurich. How do you think so far? Let, let's let's put your GM cap on. How do you think Tyler has done so far in Elmira? Yeah, I think uh, he wasn't given the easiest task. Obviously, with the Mammoth folding and starting up a whole another team there, um, that's never easy. I think that you know he's got a good good club over there. They got us uh, in overtime when we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, there's no there's no guaranteed win night anymore in, in this, this division at all. Uh, we saw it, Watertown beat uh, the defending champs Danbury opening night. Yeah, Almira um, just lost to Danbury by a goal. They beat us. Um, yeah, the division is tight, so uh, every game is a must win, and you can't take any opponent lightly for sure. Without a doubt. Okay, Tyson. So. You said to me on media day, I asked you a question, I asked you a very tough question. I said, how many games can you guys legitimately win against Danbury? As, you know, Danbury obviously is the team that kind of was the foe against the Black Bears the last couple seasons, especially in the playoffs. You told me 12 and 6. You guys think you can win 12 out of the 18 games against Danbury. You've already won two out of the first three are we still good on that number? Do you think that number can still kind of hold up and everything being 12 and 6? Yeah, I got no problem saying 12 and 6. I'd Excellent. like it to be closer to uh, 14 and 4. But uh, I think uh, 12 and 6 is safe, but 14 and 4 sounds a whole lot better. I think, uh, you know, they got, us, they got us once in their barn. It's tough to play there yes. uh, with their fans and it's always there's always something new going on there, but uh, yeah, I think we've done a great job against them. Um, every game we've lost this season, like we've we've talked about, hasn't been in regulation. Yeah. But I think uh, we've carried the play every game. I think we've been out shooting our opponents every game. Um, we've been like even Friday night, like yeah, we were down for like the whole game against Carolina, but I think we we dominated them. We just couldn't get the puck to go in. Uh, until the end of the game kind of thing, but we've been carrying the play against all the teams right now, so yeah, I'm not I'm not concerned about that call at all. And you're doing it in the periods that matter. I, I think the first period, you, you can take your time to kind of get the engine going. Sometimes you don't want to do that against really good teams, but you can do that. But the second and the third periods, you've been dominating those those periods and everything. So without a doubt, I, I agree with you. It's just like, boom, you're starting to you know, pick up momentum from sometime, somewhere in the middle of the first period. And then by the end of the game, you guys are pretty much in charge of the game, uh, which, is, which is great to see. Again, good team defense. You guys got scorers. You got somebody that can do a little bit of everything on each line, which is, which is kind of nice. And it seems to be clicking, and everybody seems to be having fun as well. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing is everyone loves coming to the rink this year. You know, there's no no one's not looking forward to showing up to the rink in the morning, and it's just it's been a good time. It's, it's fun times at the arena. Guys are sticking around after getting their workout in. Guys are showing up early. It's just we're doing a good job of just being together as a team, and uh, we have a great group, and everyone's having a good time. 
Excellent. Tyson, um, it was 48.93 on Friday night, 4,100 plus on Saturday night. Those fans affect you guys, right? You guys feed off of that energy, correct? Oh, absolutely. You might, you, your legs might feel heavy, but as soon as you, the building starts rocking, it kind of goes away. Awesome. Uh, he is Tyson Kirby. He is the, the captain of the Binghamton Black Bears and uh, probably generally one of the nicest guys that I get to talk to now in the hockey world. So, Tyson, thank you very much for coming back on. I totally appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. If you're a Binghamton Hockey fan, then you need to check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's BinghamtonHockey.net. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Real excited this weekend. Myra River Sharks will be in Binghamton on Friday night. And, of course, then they travel up to Watertown on Saturday night against the Wolves. Neither game is an easy win like last season. All teams in the Fed, I think, are a lot more balanced than they were. There's going to still be some good teams. There's still going to be some teams that aren't going to win as many games. But we're not going to see the 0-14 starts that we saw with, like, Delaware and whatnot. So, um, two really good games coming up this weekend. The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search for the Power Play Post Show and share any of our show posts to all your friends. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. Thank you to Rob Lopolis, RMC, John Petitucci, our musical director, and all of our guests this week, including the captain of the Binghamton Black Bears, Tyson Kirkby. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Bob Howard. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the games this weekend, and thanks for listening to the Power Play Post Show. for listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.